I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things book and author news, my current reads and life updates, and discuss a quarter of our monthly book club pick, which this month is Wayward by Amelia Hart. I hope you all had a fantastic week. I am right off the bat just going to say I am loving Wayward, and I've been getting so many messages from all of you guys saying how much you are loving it too. And I feel like a broken record because I feel like the past two episodes have started this way. But more so than both of the other books that we've read, Just the Nicest Couple and All the Dangerous Things, I've gotten way more feedback on Wayward and way more comments from both friends in my real life and, you know, my friends on the Instagram and book world. I have gotten just a flood of messages and comments saying how much you're enjoying this book. And a lot of you are saying that it's really outside of your typical comfort zone or outside of something you would typically read just from like the synopsis. And I kind of agree, like it's not something I would have probably gravitated towards, especially when I started my reading journey. It it seems like a little bit complex and a little sometimes like, I guess just like out there. Um, and it's not, I mean, like, I feel like it mixes a lot of different genres. There's like mystery elements, there's magical realism elements. And in general, if you're not reading yet, I feel like it's a great book to get into because I feel like if you like like mystery or magical realism or even romance, even however complicated that may be, or like family drama, um, generational trauma, 
there's something for you in this book, regardless of what that is. So I'm so glad you're all loving it. And I can't wait to discuss that with you guys um, in the second half of today's episode. So I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear it, but my voice is a little bit hoarse. I'm recording this on Easter. So happy Easter, everyone. Hope you all had a great holiday if you do celebrate and just got to spend some nice time with your family. Yesterday on Saturday, I had another family outing at a baseball game. And then afterwards, I saw some friends and there was just something about it was one of the first sunny days that we've had in Maine where it felt like warm enough to wear like a light coat and just be outside and it didn't feel like miserable, which is really nice. And this week's going to be even better weather wise, which I'm so excited about. But yesterday felt so good. And it was just one of those days where I was just laughing at like everything. I don't know if it was because I was tired or because like my friends were being particularly funny, but I was laughing a lot. And so I woke up this morning on Easter and my voice is like hoarse and I feel like I'm losing my voice a little bit. It'll go away. But I know it's just because I was like screaming and laughing yesterday, which it was great. I had a fantastic day, but I'm paying the price of my voice, so I'm sorry if it's a little bit scratchy or a little hoarse because I can definitely feel it internally, but I hope that's okay. Other than that, I had a great week. I've just been prepping more and more for my vacation. I am putting this episode out on um, Monday, April 10th, and I leave a week from today. So Monday, April 17th is when I leave. I cannot believe it snuck up on me that fast. So literally, After I got home from Easter festivities today, I just sat down for like an hour and made a complex list of like my schedule this week, what I have to get done each day, like to-do list, packing list, because there's something literally every single day that I have to do. And it's a little bit scary, but having everything written down and getting it out of my own head is so helpful to me. Like I am such a list person. I pretty much every single day have a to-do list that I like to get done. And I just love the act of checking things off. And if it's in my head and not written down on paper or written down digitally, I will most likely forget about it. So it felt really good to do that. And I'm feeling a little bit more at peace for this afternoon. And sometimes I record like on a Monday morning before I start my work. And I was planning on doing that tomorrow, but there's just too much to do. So I'm like, you know what? I'm really into a lot of books right now, which I'm going to talk about. And I really just want to read, but I am going to be a good, be a good podcaster and just record the podcast for the week so that it's done and ready to be posted for tomorrow morning. So that's what I am doing. (laughs) So unlike, so I'm definitely not in a reading slump anymore, but I am in the middle right now of four different books, which feels absolutely chaotic to me. Like I've never, I, I'm a type of person, which I don't know if I've mentioned this. I'm sure I have. I literally do read one book at a time. Like I get very confused between the different characters or I thought I did get really confused between the different characters. And in my past, I've like started a book and then want to start another one. And then typically I will just like leave the book that I had started earlier, like in the dust, just because I'm reading the new one. And I've never been able to successfully finish multiple books, reading them at the same time. But it's a must right now. And I'm realizing that I think I've read less since I started the podcast, which I know is kind of crazy, but it's because I'm reading a book like for the whole month and throughout the whole month. And I'm just kind of like trying to get past needing to only read one book at a time because I feel like that's what's holding me back and kind of putting me in a reading slump almost just because it's been something that I haven't been able to do in the past, if that makes sense. So really fast, last 
either Sunday or Monday, I can't remember, I think Monday, I had a pretty light work day. And in between my meetings and before work and after work, I ended up reading the entirety of The Grace Year by Kim Leggett. And that was one of the choices that I had for our April book club pick. And I was just in the mood for something um, different, I think. And I think I'd mentioned this last week that it was on my radar anyway. But then I asked my boyfriend Noah to kind of like just scroll through my Goodreads and pick a book he thinks I should read next. And he also picked The Grace Year. So I did finish The Grace Year literally in a day. It so reminded me of how I just like flew through the Hunger Games when I was in high school. I read the first book and it was kind of outside of my comfort zone. Like I have been a reader for my entire life that is like books that were set in reality, I guess is the right word for it. I've never really been able to get into like dystopian fiction or really fantasy. I really, really struggle with like the world building and the kind of like hard to pronounce names and stuff. I really, really struggle with fantasy. So, and I've been that way ever since I was young. Like I tried, I was a reader from when I was really young, like I've said, but I I wanted to read Harry Potter series. And I feel like I read the first three chapters of the first Harry Potter book, like, m- like multiple, multiple times, like five or six times when I was a kid at different stages of my life, and I could never get into them. There's just something about the fantasy element reading. I actually really enjoy like some fantasy, like I love the Harry Potter movies, but there was something about fantasy books that I had a really hard time getting into until the Hunger Games. I was obsessed with the Hunger Games and devoured them, like went to go get the second book the second I was done with the first one. And the Gracier really, really reminded me of that. Um, It is a dystopian future. And it's about girls in their, I think I mentioned this, but if you missed it, in their 16th year, this town that they're living in thinks that the girls in the town like emit some sort of this like magic. And basically like men will fall all over them and women will be jealous, blah, blah, blah. So every girl in their 16th year, they go out for the grace year and basically they're like put in the woods all together to like fend for themselves and like release their magic into the woods so that when they come back into the town, they're no longer like having like almost like casting magic spells on these men. It's it's a kind of a crazy concept and I'm not explaining it entirely well, but it was so good. It had like drama. I mean, it is a YA. So it was an easier read, which I think really helped me with the fantasy elements because I, I do have a hard time, but this was pretty easy to read. I gave it a four out of five. I really enjoyed it. And obviously I really liked it if I read an over 400 page book in a day. It was awesome. I said in my own review that this has been on my TBR for almost two years, and I'm just so happy I finally picked it up. I actually won it. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, Grace's Reading Nook, I've been a huge fan and a friend of a girl named Laura. Sorry, I'm booked up. You should definitely be following her. But she had a giveaway like nearly two years ago for, I'm sure, some sort of like hitting a follower count, and I won it. And she went into my Amazon and picked this book for me because I think it was one of her favorites, which makes sense. I see why. And I talked about how it brought me back to high school when I read The Hunger Games. And I said immediately, I went and wished, looked if there was a second book in the Gracier series. And there isn't. It's not a series. It's a standalone. It would make an incredible movie, obviously. And many people who have read it are like, why is this not a series? 
Why is there not a second book? And I completely agree. I said I was drawn into Tyranny's world from page one. And the way Kim Leggett writes makes her world never seem cheesy or too contrived. The Gracier is horrifying, disturbing, and so cruel. Um, I feel like this book had a little bit of everything, romance, friendship, horror, mystery, and so much more. Um, it is set in dystopian future, but Tyranny tries to uncover the meaning behind all of the oddities in her county throughout the whole book. She is the ultimate female main character that we all need in our lives. It was so good. And I feel like so many of you guys would love that one. So that's the only book that I finished this month so far, but I'm set to finish probably, geez, maybe four books this week. So I'm reading Wayward right now. Obviously, we're halfway through and we'll be talking about the second quarter of the book in today's episode a little bit later. Um, so right now, after I record this episode, I'm good to read the next quarter. So we'd get to 75% of the way done. But I am hoping to bring a bunch of books on my vacation. And I'm probably going to read ahead and break my own rule for Wayward because bringing a whole book in my luggage just for a quarter of a book seems really um, wasteful almost, if that makes sense. So I'm probably going to just end up finishing the book this week and then just making specific notes um, for each episode. It's going to be weird. And I know that's going to be weird. I'm breaking my own rule and I hope that's okay. I'll make sure to do the polls on time everything like that. But that's just what I'm thinking. If not, great. If not, great. But I think that's what, probably what I'm going to have to do. Um, I'm hoping to finish up all the books that I'm in the middle of this week. So I'm not bringing books that I'm halfway done with. I can just like start new books on my vacation, like purely vacation reads. So probably going to finish Wayward this week. Also, I'm loving it, obviously. So it's going to be really hard for me to put it down at 75%. So excited about that. Another book I will for sure be finishing, and it's actually the one I'm prioritizing right now. And it might surprise you, it's another YA, and it's The Summer I Turn Pretty by Jenny Han. And I'm reading it for a very specific purpose that I'm not sure if I could actually say on this week's episode because I don't think it's going to be out yet, but I'm reading it for another podcast. I'm going to be a host on another podcast, which I'll be sure to update you guys on once it's out. Um, but I do have a very specific reason that I'm reading that book and I'm really excited about it. It's a book that I never read in high school and I was a an avid, avid like romance reader in high school. Like I think I've talked about this before also, but loved books exactly like this. But I was looking at the copyright and I might be wrong, but it looks like this came out in 2017. Let me just see. Oh, no, I'm dumb. <laughs> it came out in 2009. My edition of this book that I'm reading as I looked in the inside cover came out in 2017. I was going to say like, I probably didn't read this because I was, I graduated college in 2017, which is crazy. But no, came out in 2009. Um, it is so right up my alley, even now, like it's bringing me right back to when I was in like middle school, high school reading it. I am like thoroughly enjoying myself. It is giving the perfect summer vibes and it's not too young. Like I'm sure a lot of you guys watched the series on Amazon this past summer. I got almost all the way through it, but not quite all the way through. And I'm already noticing some differences between this book and the series, but loving it. Like it is so good. So fun. I love the romance. I love Belly. It's just a blast to read. But I remember, I don't know why I thought it was even potentially published in 2017, because I remember when I used to do YouTube videos in high school, and I would talk about all the books I loved. I did a lot of like book review videos and like books you should read this summer. Everyone in my comments, I remember 
vividly saying, oh my God, you have to read The Summer I Turned Pretty by Jenny Han. You would love it. And I was like, oh my God, I will. I don't know. There was something about it that didn't want me, didn't make me want to pick it up. I don't know if I was like turned off by the title, The Summer I Turned Pretty. And it, I kind of am still turned off by the title. I don't know why. It just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I get why she's titling it that. And I get why it's like that because it's all about this girl who her braces come off and she loses her glasses or doesn't lose them, starts wearing contacts basically. And she goes back to the summer house that she's been going to every single year since she was a baby um, with her mom's best friend and the mom's best friend's two um, sons who are basically like she has crushes on both of them essentially. And she finally feels pretty and like she's noticed by them. But it does kind of rub me the wrong way. And I'll think I'll talk about that in the podcast episode that I'm recording. Um, But anyway, that's why I'm reading that. And I'm recording for that podcast on Wednesday. So I need to finish that. I'm almost halfway through. I'm at 48% right now. So I'm actually hoping to finish that or get a good chunk of it read tonight because I have a lot going on this week. So I'm reading that. And then I'm also reading The Connollys of County Down by Tracy Lange. And I think I mentioned this in last week's episode too, but I'm reading that as a buddy read. Um, Celadon Books, one of my favorite book publishers, sent me an advanced reader copy of The Connollys of County Down. And they want us to buddy read it with other bookstagrammers. So I'm in the middle of that. I'm about 32% done. And that's exactly where I needed to be according to Celadon's reading schedule. But then we were supposed to chat with each other like in my buddy read group on Instagram this week and like two out of the three girls had already finished the book. And they're like, yeah, I just took notes. Like I don't want to spoil anything. And I'm like, wait, we could have read ahead. Like I probably would have read ahead had I known. But I mean, obviously, like there are no set rules. Like, of course, you can read ahead. And I can read ahead for this podcast if I want to. I'm just a rule follower, I feel like. So <laughs> I've been following the reading schedule to a T. But again, I'm kind of in the same boat where this is supposed to be done by the end of April. And I am going to be leaving on my trip in a week. So I'm hoping to finish that this week too, just to not bring a halfway read book on my vacation. This is a paperback and it's actually pretty light. But regardless, it's not really a beach read. So I probably won't be bringing it. So hoping to finish that this week. I am enjoying it though. A little slow. It was a slow start. I love Tracy Lange. You guys know that We Are the Brennans was my favorite read of the month in February. Really enjoying it. Her character building is just incredible. Like she builds such realistic characters and families. They are so good. So I am really enjoying it more now than when I first started. Also, the font is just really small. So I'm kind of having a hard time with that. Um, anyway, I'm enjoying it. Then just on my own, not a part of reading it for a podcast or a book club or anything. I picked up The Soulmate by Sally Hepworth this week, and I am loving it so far. A little, I mean, I was going to say a little bit of a slow start, but not really. It kind of sucked me in right from the get-go. Really enjoying it. We just got to some of the drama within it. I'm only like 32% of the way through with that. Um, it's really hard for me to even think of any character names as I'm recording this because I am reading so many books at once. But it's a classic thriller so far. And I'm trying to go into it just not thinking too much about it and just going in blind and not trying to analyze because I haven't really read a thriller recently that I haven't been overanalyzing either for the podcast or for something like that. So I'm just trying to enjoy the ride for it and see if some twists can sneak up on me and I can enjoy them organically. So that is the fourth book I'm reading. That, those are my life updates. Those are my book updates. Really briefly, I did want to, because I said I would last week, but I do want to get into the wayward discussion because this episode, I don't want to make too, too long for my own editing sake and for everyone's sake. But 
I did want to mention what books were in Reese's book club and GMA's book club picks for this week, for this month. Sorry. So Reese, I someone messaged me about this too, and I was so excited. Picked Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfield, which was my book of the month club pick, one of them for April. Dying to read it. That one I think is definitely going to be coming on vacation with me. Um, so I'm really excited that she picked that one. Jenna was um, Camp Zero, which we already talked about. And Good Morning America Book Club for April is a book called Dirty Laundry by Disha Bose. I've never heard of it. Um, It's a debut novel. It's a thrilling murder mystery described as the delicious unspooling of a group of women desperate to preserve themselves. Honestly, sounds really good, but it sounds like typical thriller drama. Nothing that really stuck out to me. A murder mystery. I mean, I love a murder mystery. I don't know what I'm saying, but sometimes thrillers need to grab me in a different way. And that didn't like totally pull me in. But regardless, you know me, if I see it at Bull Moose, I'll probably end up picking it up. So anyway, sounds like three good choices for the book clubs that I follow for this month. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, I think that is it for my life and book updates for this week. So let's get into our discussion of Wayward. So this part we read up to chapter 25. So if you have not read up to chapter 25, you can stop listening if you don't want spoilers because spoilers are definitely coming. Um, but if you don't care about spoilers and you just want to listen anyway, like I always say, feel free to do so. And like always, I'll be going through my individual notes, chapter by chapter, my thoughts, and then we'll discuss your poll questions that you had and that I asked you for this week and this part of the book. All right, so we're starting with chapter 14, which was Violet's point of view. Violet and Frederick have a very awkward breakfast where Frederick describes how he's killed people in Libya. 
Violet is enamored with him, again, as she's never really seen a boy before because she's been trapped in the hall. Then they go shoot clay pigeons with her father, and that was basically it. Chapter 15, we're in Kate's point of view, and Kate finds a letter from Rupert to Elizabeth. Remember, Rupert, um, Elizabeth is Violet's mother, and Rupert is her father, so the one that we're hearing about in the hall. Um, And I said I was right about Elizabeth being Violet's mom's name, because Elizabeth is Violet's middle name, so I just assumed that when she found the little... um, EW thing. And the letter that she finds is a love letter about how he longs to be with her and marry her. And definitely is the most emotion that we've seen from Rupert to date. Um, And it seems like he truly loved her. And I haven't seen him express love for either Violet or her brother. Kate didn't put this together that those were her great grandparents, but I'm sure she will very soon. And this leads her to reminisce on her early days with Simon and how he pulled her under his spell immediately. And then she points out that she has a mole above her breast, like on her chest. And I said, I want to remember this because I'm wondering if the other girls do too. Then in her reminiscing in her memories, she recalls that Simon talked about how his job is almost like being a hunter, which is similar to Rupert being a hunter. So just lots of similarities here all around. Chapter 16, we're back to Altha's point of view, and the doctor in Altha's town takes the stand to testify against her. He brings up how Altha's mom killed, I put in quotes, Grace's mother. Obviously, she did not. She was literally trying to help, but whatever. And he says that John was clearly trampled by his cows, which caused his death. And I was wondering if they're going to say Altha put a spell on them or something because they all believe that she's a witch. Then I was right about the mole. It's funny that I just like picked up on that, but they mentioned that they believe the mole in that spot is a mark from the devil and Kate has one too. And that is why Altha scraped herself till she bled the night before to attempt to remove that spot. So if you remember in last week's episode, I was like, why did she feel the need to like make herself bleed? I had no idea why. So we figured out why it was try to, to try to get rid of that mole, which must have hurt so bad. But it worked because the doctor can no longer see it in the courtroom. So I'm glad they kind of like cleared that up a little bit. Chapter 17 was Violet and Violet and Frederick take a walk after dinner and she gets a little bit more information about her mother. Um, Frederick tells her that she was odd and everyone just keeps saying that her mother was like strange. Then he mentions that a crow that he actually thought was dead sat on her shoulder at all times. I'm thinking that that most likely is the same crow Altha's mother had and that it's probably the same crow that is now at Wayward with Kate that she kicked out. Apparently, Violet's mom, who we know is Elizabeth, talked to no one and shouted random things at random times and had to be locked away in her room. She played tricks on Frederick and everyone thought she was bewitched and that Rupert had been bewitched by her. Frederick kisses Violet. It's so strange because they're cousins and we're just kind of like going along with it, but whatever. Then Violet realizes Frederick said everyone was worried her mother would be a danger to the baby, but her whole life she's been under the impression that her mother had died during childbirth with Graham. So was Graham already born or was there another baby perhaps? Chapter 18, Kate goes to a doctor's appointment to check on her baby and realizes she's 10 to 12 weeks already along in her pregnancy. And everyone in the office is kind of like looking at her like she's crazy because she's Violet's granddaughter and she's living at Wayward. She also, in her thoughts, considers terminating the pregnancy but hasn't decided yet. She heard the receptionist and a guest talking about her and that her and Violet are witches and it started with the first one, they said. 
I'm thinking that's most likely Alpha and her mother, but it could go back even further. Then Kate rummages around in Violet's belongings again and finds a sheet of paper stating that Violet's mother is Elizabeth Wayward, making her a Wayward girl too. She has a strong feeling that she is also having a girl and decides to keep her after kind of learning about these this heritage of strong women in her life. Chapter 19, Alpha talks about how her mother also had that mole in the same spot, and her mother had died three years earlier before this trial took place. She mentioned that she had seen the devil, and I am personally thinking that she's talking about John Milburn, and I just had this gut feeling that he's been abusing Grace and Alpha killed him to protect her. I don't think Alpha has a bad bone in her body, and even though Grace and her hadn't been friends ever since her mom died and her father blamed Alpha and her mother for her death, I think that she really still has a soft spot for um, Grace and just wants to see her succeed and do well and obviously not in a, an abusive relationship. So that's just what I'm thinking. Then Daniel Kirkby takes the stand and details how John Milburn died. He said he saw a crow circling the barn before all the cows started frothing at the mouth and going crazy before trampling John. Again, this mention of the crows. He said he felt eyes watching him in the trees before it happened. Then we get to part two. Chapter 20. Um, I said this is a beautifully written chapter about Violet wondering what she truly wants from life. If her and Frederick fell in love, could she still be an entomologist? She wanted to travel the world, but she realizes she's never been loved truly by anyone. She doesn't feel love from her father. Graham loves her, but is also annoyed by her. It's like that brotherly type of love, and they haven't been close since Graham's accident in the beehive. Um, and she knows her mother loved her, but she cannot remember anything about her mother. Her father sends her to bed at the end of dinner, but during dinner, she noticed Frederick slipped something into his glass and that his hands were shaking a lot. And I don't know if that was drugs or if it was alcohol or anything like that, but it seems like he might have a bit of an addiction. In chapter 21, Kate passes her time by reading Violet's books and sitting out in the garden. In some of the books is a quick note from a woman named Emily who works at the local bookstore. So Kate decides to go there and meet her to try to learn more about her heritage. And Emily says that her and Violet were actually good friends. And that's why they were writing notes in the books and everything like that. Kate starts to ask a little bit more about Wayward and her family and Violet's family. But Emily says Violet really didn't like talking much about her family and doesn't have much info to give. I'm at this point now wondering, I was kind of like racking my brain for who could be the person, the Viscount they're saying that still lives up at the hall. And I thought the only person it could possibly be is Frederick. Um, So that's just my opinion. This whole interaction with Emily and Emily as a person is a bit odd, in my opinion, um, but we really don't get much info from her except that she offers to have Kate over for dinner. Then she goes and sees Graham and Violet's grave and sees a W engraved in Violet's. At Wayward Cottage, she finds Violet's pendant she always wore with the same W. So she's just, un- she's just uncovering a lot of mystery here. Chapter 22 also discusses how her mother, Jeanette, so we have to remember her name's Jeanette, talked to her about the town, assuming they were witches, but she named her Alpha because it means healer, and that's what her and Jeanette were. They were not witches, they were healers, and um, they healed many people in their town, and they even tried to help the ones that were beyond help, like Grace's mother. The Reverend takes the stand against Alpha and really doesn't say anything too bad. It's definitely not what the prosecution wanted. Um, He says that her and her mother had never missed a Sunday church service, and Alpha still doesn't. He did say that after John was buried, William Metcalf, Grace's father, said he suspected that witchcraft was involved and blamed Alpha. So clearly he's he's still angry at Alpha 
for his wife's death and is blaming Altha, even though her mom obviously didn't kill Grace's mom, but he thinks that she did. Altha also described that day, um, the day of John's death, and how she truly happened upon it all and saw the cows right as they started stampeding and covered John's body to protect Grace from seeing it. So again, protecting Grace is a big theme here. In chapter 23, um, not much really happens in Violet's chunk here, but Violet watches Frederick and wonders if they'll go on their nightly walk, which she's kind of grown to look forward to. And we realize that Frederick is drinking brandy nearly around the clock. Um, and he even gets Violet to drink some too, which is her first drink of alcohol. And she actually drinks too much of it. And then he scoots his chair closer to her and she feels something bite her on the cheek. Did Frederick do something to her? Or is that the I was thinking it could be the insect's way of telling her to stay away from Frederick because she gets a lot of signs from nature. She wants to be an entomologist. She loves insects. And it'd be really cool if like the insects were watching out for her and being like, don't get too close to Frederick. So that was just a random thought I had. That's all we're going to get from Violet in this chunk. And I wrote, I'm afraid he's going to take advantage of her in her next chapter as she's getting very drunk off the brandy and he knows that she doesn't drink. Then the final chapter that we read, chapter 24, um, Kate calls and tells her mother that she's pregnant with a girl, which she officially found out. And her mother reveals she knew about how abusive Simon had been, or she at least knew something was wrong and she should have done more to help. Agreed. Um, but she's happy for her and her new daughter. Then Kate goes to the hall to try to investigate more about her family and try to get some answers. When she knocks, the new Viscount opens the door and he's very old. He lets her in and takes her upstairs and what she thinks is dust over everything. It's like a very dingy place. It's actually insect wings. So pretty gross. And at this moment, I knew the Viscount was Frederick. It was very obvious. He is very unwell and talks about an insect swarm in the house and how finally last August he was released from her. That is clearly when Violet died based on the timeline we've gotten from Kate. So he was released from her being Violet when she died. He doesn't have any information for Kate about her family, um, even though she asks. But when he sees her bee brooch that she wears, he immediately freaks out and asks her to leave. And here's what I'm thinking. So I'm wondering if Frederick and Violet get married and he's abusive to her. And to get away, she curses him with insects in the hall forever. Or could it be when Violet and Graham were disinherited and Frederick took the hall, Violet was so angry about leaving her home that she cursed it with the insects forever and imprisoned Frederick to a miserable life. It could just be that he took advantage of her in some way, which it feels like it's going to happen very soon. And she just she curses him that way or her father sees her kissing Frederick and he gets mad and that's how she gets disinherited. And because she never even wanted to be with Frederick in the first place, he just took advantage of her. Maybe that's why she curses him to the the life of misery with all the insects um, in the hall. So that is what we read up to. I said this is a really, really good chunk. I hate to use the word chunk, by the way. I literally don't know what else to say. It's a really good part of the book that up to this um, halfway point, this the second quarter. Um, but I don't personally think it was as good as the first. There were definitely some good twists and turns. I really liked the stuff about the mole. I really liked when Kate went to go visit the Viscount. Um, we found out she's pregnant with a girl. There's a lot of good stuff. But 
I did find that all of them were pretty easy to guess. And just as a side note, like when little things are pointed out in a book like the mole, when typically that wouldn't be something you'd mention as an author, I feel like it's very easy as a reader to tell that's going to be an important part of the story. Like you're reading the chapter and all of a sudden they're like, the button of my overall snagged on the fence and I noticed it fell on the ground and I saw the silver glinting in my eye. I'm just making, literally making this up. Like when something is like, it doesn't need to be said. Like when Kate was talking about the mole that she had, it was just so random. It wasn't like the doctor was like looking over her body and saw the mole. It was just, it was weird. And when things like that come up, I'm almost certain that it's going to come up later in the book. And that's just what happened. But it's still, still really interesting. So other than that, I'm kind of starting to wonder if these women are all reincarnated as each other, or if that's too far fetched. It almost seems like they are because of the mole. But then we have to remember that Jeanette, um, Alpha's mom also had the mole. So we haven't heard about Violet's mole. <laughs> it's so weird that I'm just talking about the mole so much, but I feel like it's so important. I feel like I'm going crazy. But we don't know if Violet has the mole. I'm wondering if they're all reincarnated as each other because it's super weird to have a mole in the same spot. But I'm anyway, I do believe they're all nature healers and have a strong connection to the world around them. And they're almost like the opposite of witches because they are so connected to nature and they're healers. Personally, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, which you know I am, I am just getting big mad woman vibes. There's nothing like a mad woman, <laughs> that song. Um, even though I'm not the biggest fan of that song, it just feels like that would be the perfect like soundtrack to this book. Um, questions I asked that I also asked in the poll, which we'll get to in a second. Will Kate's daughter have the birthmark that they all have? What about Frederick as the Viscount? And will Alpha be hung as a witch? So really good part. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think I did enjoy the first part that we read more. So let's get into the poll questions before finishing up today's episode. The first thing I asked was, where are you in the book? I just like to share these results as we go through just so that I don't know why like I ask this every time, but it's just interesting to me to see where people are at throughout the month as we're reading. So 18% of you said that you are reading it, but not quite up to chapter 25. Another 18% of you said that you were caught up to chapter um, 25 for Monday's episode. 33% of you said that you are not reading this book this month or haven't started it yet. And 30% of you said that you're reading ahead, so past chapter 25 or you're finished with it. Next, I really loved these results. I asked, now that we're halfway through, whose point of view are you enjoying the most? And it was literally pretty much an even split, which I think is so cool because it just goes to show that all three storylines are really good and really interesting, and all three characters are really fun to read about. So 24% of you said Alpha, so that was the lowest amount. 33% of you said Kate, and 43% of you said Violet. I don't know why I'm really enjoying Kate's story. I think I just, I like that it's set in the current time. I like seeing like all the little things that are being left behind from Wayward. And like watching Kate in real time, like figure everything out. Violet is so cool. I feel like she's like the strongest of all of these women. She is like such a badass. I'm like really loving her as a character. And obviously this whole thing of her living in this grand hall, trying to figure out more about her mother. She's kind of the one who started like figuring out about Wayward because Alpha lived at Wayward with her mother. The whole thing about Alpha that's so interesting too, though, is we're getting like a whole murder trial within her points of view. So all three are really good and I'm genuinely enjoying them all, which clearly you guys are too. Then I asked, do you think the women are witches or have some sort of magical power? 
91% of you said yes, and 9% of you said no. So pretty much all of you said yes there. Um, And then I asked you to elaborate. And the first one I got was generational knowledge of how to connect and use the earth's animals and plants for healing. Completely agree. That's pretty much a better way and a more um, well-spoken way of trying to say what I was trying to say earlier. There's definitely some generational knowledge. They're all just super connected to nature and that's what they use to heal their loved ones and just the people around them in general. Then someone else said that they are not witches, but they have a connection to the natural world and animals in some sort of magical realism element. Again, completely agree. Then I asked, will Kate's daughter have the birthmark that all the wayward women seem to have? 85% of you said yes, and 15% of you said no. Um, So yeah, completely agree. Definitely think that Kate's daughter is going to have the birthmark. Wondering if maybe like Kate, I don't even want to say this, like dies in childbirth. And if that reincarnation thing is true, like, is like she is her daughter going to be her or is like her daughter going to be Violet or Ulta? Um, Just curious, but I'm I like the whole birthmark thing. I keep saying mole. I realize that it really is a birthmark. So I'm sorry, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Then I asked who you think the Viscount is. And overwhelmingly, we got Frederick. Um, The first one says, definitely Frederick. I think he has some sort of a problem with Violet. Maybe he forces himself on her. Definitely agree. And that it's potentially an abusive marriage. Um, and she sets the insects on him in retaliation. That's definitely what I'm leaning with too. I think that I, I kind of was hung up on the idea that maybe Violet's father, Rupert, was mad at her for getting involved with Frederick, but it almost seems like he's setting her up in that way. Like he wants her to be with Frederick for like a stable marriage. I don't know. Um, and we're definitely having this theme of abuse throughout all of our stories. So I'm thinking that John Milburn abused Grace. Obviously, we have Simon abusing Kate. So Frederick abusing Violet would just unfortunately make sense um, with the other storyline. So I completely agree. We have three, four more Fredericks on the one thing that I screenshot screenshotted. And then we have someone say that the Viscount could possibly be a child of Violet and Frederick or just Frederick. Um, totally agree. It could definitely be a child of Violet and Frederick unless the man is too old. Like I, this one, this person also said hazy on the timeline and agreed. Like, I'm not sure how many years had passed, but if Graham was Kate's grandfather, it would make sense if Frederick was that old to be the Viscount, if that makes sense. Again, we have four more Fredericks. And then someone else said, if Violet and Graham are disowned, then Frederick is probably next in line for the title. I don't know why Violet and Frederick get married, why they would then be disowned. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot that is going to go on in the next half of the book. So I'm just so curious. Um, But we've got a lot of Frederick. So we're all in agreement pretty much that Frederick is the Viscount up on the hill. Then I asked, will Alpha be found guilty and hung as a witch? 11% of you said yes, and 89% of you said no. So pretty much, again, everyone's saying no here. Um, I think it's possible. I don't know. It doesn't seem that far-fetched to me to think that she might, unfortunately, get hung as a witch. But I'm really hoping not because she, I think that... She doesn't have a vicious bone in her body, like I said earlier. If she did have something to do with John Milburn's death, it was definitely to protect Grace. Then I just asked for any other thoughts or feelings about the book so far. 
Um, and someone said Grace was being abused by her husband and Altha knew and influenced the cows to kill him. Literally exactly what I just said. We're all on the same page there. Completely agree. I feel like that is the most likely possibility for why John Milburn died. Then the same girl, who I love, by the way, um, said, I think abuse is a common theme across the three points of view and how women deal with it. Agreed. Um, Now that I'm thinking that it kind of like struck something in me when someone said maybe Frederick and Violet have an abusive relationship, it just makes sense. Unfortunately, for all of these wonderful women to have been abused in their relationships, I do think that that is what is going to happen and just kind of like how they deal with it in general. Um, Then someone said that she dislikes Kate a lot, which is really interesting to me. I'm kind of trying to wonder why or figure out why you dislike Kate a lot. If you want to message me and elaborate a little bit, I would love to hear it. Um, She's a little annoying. I can understand that. Like, But I feel like she's doing all the right things to try to kind of figure out her heritage. She ran away from her abusive boyfriend, which is amazing. So I don't really, I don't really see the dislike of Kate. I definitely, I, like I said, I kind of enjoy her point of view the most, but I want to hear why you dislike Kate, honestly. Then someone said, this is not a book I would have ever picked on my own, but I loved it so much. So, so happy you loved it. Thank you for not spoiling anything and just saying you loved it. I can't wait to talk more with you about how the book ends and everything. And then the last comment I got here was absolutely loving this book. Perfect mesh of driving plot with strong female characters. Agree. We literally could not get better strong female characters than in this book of Wayward. And they are just so interesting. Like sometimes books have amazing female characters and they're strong and they're cool, which is amazing. But these women are and their plots are so genuinely interesting. I am loving them so much. Then I had another person message me and I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, She said that she totally agrees there's a common theme with alcohol and it kind of sounds like both Simon and Violet's fathers are alcoholic abusers, are alcohol abusers. And I totally agree. It definitely seems like that. Um, She said, we don't know anything about Altha's father and I'm wondering if he had a similar issue and all of those women had toxic relationships with alcohol and abuse. Definitely we've covered the abuse element and how we think that that's all related. But again, we didn't really see it too, too much in this part that we just read, but they're all completely turned off from alcohol. And it almost, again, I think I talked about this last week, but like nature is so pure and alcohol is kind of like the opposite of that in a way. So it could just be that, but it does seem like Frederick has some sort of a a dependency on alcohol and we are seeing those themes everywhere. And then she also said, I noticed a lot of similar names between Alta's story and Violet's. So Kirkby, Metcalf, Dinsdale. Um, it's so true. And she said, I'm kind of anxious to see how all of these connect and that she had to start a reading log with notes just to keep things straight. Totally agreed. It's almost like, are they all like, because they're all in different like towns. I guess not. Wayward is in the one town, but it's like, it almost just makes me feel like, are they all in like t- different timelines, but they're all like the same. They're all living the same life. I don't know. I feel like there's so, so, so much more that's going to come out. And I am just so intrigued to learn everything. So that is really all I have for today. Um, thank you guys so, so much for listening. For next week's episode, it will be out on April 17th, and you will be reading up to chapter 37. So it'll be about 75% of the way done with the book. And that will be up the day I leave for vacation, which is crazy, but I'll try to get everything done this week so that we're all good. Um, And then I'll probably be taking a little bit of a break, like I mentioned in the first episode of April. But so be reading up to chapter 37 for next Monday, and I will be doing some polls this week too. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Be sure to message 
message me on Grace's Reading Nook. If you have any thoughts or opinions as you're reading through, I love to hear them and talk to you guys and share them on the podcast. And other than that, um, again, have a great week and I'll talk to you in next week's episode. Thank you for listening. Bye guys. one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics, the most welcoming place for LGBTQ plus folks and women to chat comics, fiction, and pop culture. Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast. We speak with amazing guests about the media they've created, critiqued, and loved. And you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here. We've been named a best comic book podcast by several publications, including Book Riot, The Mary Sue, and Comic Book Herald. So tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado, Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, and you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com.